Good morning, church. It's great to be with you. My name is Rich. I'm part of the leadership team here at King's. And I want to start this morning by showing you a picture. Now, what do you see in this picture? Of course, this kind of scene has become quite unfamiliar to us. We're not really used to seeing crowds recently. But what kinds of thoughts or feelings does it evoke? Maybe you see a crowd today and it represents hope. Maybe there's some fear. Maybe there's some judgments under the surface. I'll come back to this in just a moment. We're in this series, Naturally Supernatural. And actually, as we've said, this is much more than just a Sunday morning teaching series. This is something we want to become deeply ingrained in our culture. And it's something we believe God is leading us into all the more. And it's been so good to read on our website over this last week, a growing number of stories of people in the church stepping out in response to a leading from the Holy Spirit. I know that for some of you, you're really excited about this series. And for others of you, maybe it's more of a stretch. I have to be honest, I find this a stretch too. In one sense, it's easy to preach about being naturally supernatural. But in my day-to-day life, outside these four walls, I find this much more of a challenge. Many of you work in places where, as a Christian, you're in the minority. You might be the only Christian on your street or in your friendship group or in your family. In our own lives, what does it look like to live each day being attentive to the Holy Spirit and stepping out as he leads us, living with the expectation that the kingdom of God could break in? Well, this morning, we're going to look at the motivation for this kind of lifestyle, the heart behind the series. See, if we get this heart wrong, if we try and live this kind of lifestyle out of a wrong motivation, maybe just as something we feel we should do or a box to tick or as just so we have a good story to tell, well, we're going to end up feeling disappointed. But get this motivation right. And it is the key to this becoming something that changes our lives and has the potential to transform the lives of those around us. We're going to get into a story about Jesus from Matthew's gospel in Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. But just to give you a little bit of context before I read it, in chapters 5 to 7 of Matthew's gospel, Jesus has preached about what the kingdom of God looks like. And then in chapters eight and nine, you get these stories of Jesus demonstrating the kingdom in the context of real people's lives, the power of God's kingdom breaking into the lives of hurting, broken people. Jesus healing people, raising a girl from the dead, setting people free, the kingdom breaking in. It's an amazing couple of chapters. And then in these verses in chapter nine, we get just a glimpse of what's going on in Jesus' heart, of what motivates Jesus to live like this. So let's read this passage together, Matthew 9. Verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Don Carson, in talking about this passage, notes that it says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages. 
And there are around 204 cities and villages in Galilee, each with more than 15,000 people. So if Jesus had spoken in two villages a day, it would have taken around four months to reach out to all these people. I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds exhausting. Talking to people on that scale can be draining. Giving of yourself to people emotionally can be draining. And yet right in the middle of that passage, it says when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. This particular word compassion is used a few times in the Gospels and almost every time it's used to describe Jesus. In Matthew 14, Jesus had compassion on them and healed their sick. In Matthew 20, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. In Mark 1, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand. Compassion is Jesus' natural response to all kinds of human need. So what does it mean, this word compassion? See, this is not just pity. It's not just feeling sorry for someone. It's deeper than that. The word translated compassion here comes from a root word that relates to the internal organs, to the bowels, to the gut. To feel compassion like this is to love people so deeply that you feel it in your stomach. It's to ache for someone. Jesus' motivation for bringing the kingdom of God into people's lives was love. Get under the surface of Jesus' actions and what you see is a deep, wonderful love, the pure love of the eternal God. The English Puritan theologian Thomas Goodwin put it like this, Christ is love covered over in flesh. This is who he is to the core. Now I wonder if I'd stood with Jesus in front of those same crowds of people, what would I have seen? As I see crowds like the picture I showed you at the start, do I see them the way Jesus sees them? Am I ever moved with compassion? Do I ache for people the way that Jesus aches? I think I know the answer to that question. And maybe when it affects those people who are closest to me, when something has happened to my wife, Alice, or my kids or my close family and friends, it has moved me to the point that it hurts. Maybe given me just a tiny glimpse of how God feels. But if I'm honest, I rarely feel enough love and compassion for the people that God places in my everyday life. And while I often pray for opportunities and boldness to reach out to people, I know if I'm honest that my greater problem is a lack of love and compassion. And maybe some of you can relate to that. For some of you, I know this is not the issue. It's not that you don't feel enough love. Maybe for you, you do see the brokenness around you and you have compassion for people and it hurts, but it feels almost too much. It almost feels hopeless. What is the answer to all this? Knowing that we ourselves are broken human beings, knowing that we'll perhaps never in this life love like Jesus loves. How do we live this kind of lifestyle that God is leading us into? Well, I want to suggest this morning there are two simple questions that we can ask the Lord anytime we're with someone who doesn't know Jesus. And then one thing we must all do every day. So two questions we can ask the Lord anytime we're with someone who doesn't know Jesus. First question is this, Lord, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to see in this person, in this situation, in this moment? You know, every single person we come into contact with has been made by a loving Heavenly Father in His image. He has handcrafted them. Let's just ground that for a moment. Just think about who you're likely to see tomorrow. 
For me, it's the neighbours I'll see as I leave my home with my kids. It's the couple with their dog who will walk past each day. It's the other dads at the school drop-off. The friend in the group WhatsApp chat. It's the person who will serve me at the supermarket. Maybe for you, it's work colleagues or people in your college or university, your brother or sister, your hairdresser, your friends. The father loves these people, every single one of them. They have value and worth and significance. And, you know, many of them have no idea how loved they are. They have no idea there's a loving father who thinks the world of them. And our responsibility, our privilege and our joy is simply to demonstrate something of God's love for them to show them how loved they are. How do we do that? By trying to see what Jesus sees. Do I often wonder if one of the main things stopping me from living a naturally supernatural life is simply my own busyness, my preoccupation with myself. I can be rushing from place to place. I can even be in conversation with someone and be distracted, thinking about the next thing and the next thing. I wonder how often is the Spirit speaking, but I'm distracted. Do I allow myself just to slow down enough to see people the way Jesus sees them? What is it that makes Jesus' heart ache when he's standing in front of these crowds of people? What is it that makes him feel to the gut? When it says it there in verse 36, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, this is what Jesus sees. He doesn't see a crowd of mindless people who are going to drain him of his time and energy. No, he sees individuals who are helpless and lost. Sheep without a shepherd, people without a leader, without a king. This is what causes Jesus' heart to ache. He's saying that the core problem every human being has is that they're lost. And if you're watching this and you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, well, that might sound offensive to you. I appreciate that. It might even sound arrogant. But I know from my own life, this is what I was like before I knew Jesus. My life lacked purpose and direction and meaning. That's what it is to be outside the kingdom of God. Because when Jesus isn't king over your life, all kinds of other things become king. Money and sex and power and success and popularity. And these things are not good leaders. So what's the answer to this problem? Well, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. When Jesus sees these people, he knows that he is the answer to the searching in their hearts. He is the shepherd they're looking for, whether they know it or not. So when you're with people who don't yet know the love of the Father, ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to see here? Am I seeing this person as someone who is loved and lost? And often it's only as we say yes to Jesus, it's only when we step out and take a risk, when we get close enough to people to hear something of their story, that our hearts begin to connect on a deeper level. When we know what someone has been through, their journey, that's when we can begin to feel compassion for them. Do you know, it's possible to go after this kind of supernatural life and totally miss the point. Paul wrote as much in his famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13. He wrote, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I can have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. A resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. It's just repetitive noise. Do you know, it's love that makes the difference. 
And of course, love is the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're like me and you know you need more love and compassion for people, well, the good news is we can grow in it. We don't just muster up love in our own strength. We grow in love and compassion as we're obedient to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And if you're someone who does feel so much compassion for people that it feels kind of hopeless, that it wears you down, remember that ultimately what people need is Jesus. He is the good shepherd, not you. So you can feel love for people without it feeling hopeless. So first question to ask is, Lord, what do you want me to see? And the second question is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Or another way of putting it, what does love look like here? How can I love this person well? See, the thing about Jesus' love is that it never stopped with just a feeling. His love caused him to move. As he saw people who were harassed and helpless and shepherdless, it motivated him to move towards them person by person. Dane Ortland writes a beautiful book called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Jesus for Sinners and Sufferers. really want to recommend this book to you. It's a wonderful book. And in it, he writes this. The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move towards that sin and suffering, not away from it. See, this is what love does. Jesus steps in, he moves, he gets close. And now as Christ's body on earth, filled with his spirit, we get to do that too, to step in where there's brokenness, to step in where there's pain and loneliness and despair. So Matthew 9, 37, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. Or another way of putting it, I have many people in this place. So many people in our town are crying out to know the love of the Father. And Jesus calls us to pray, to listen and to step out in faith, looking for ways to love the people in front of us. So when I read the Gospels, I'm always amazed by the way Jesus slowed down for the individual. He always noticed the person in front of him, even when it seemed a distraction from his greater purpose. There's that wonderful passage in Luke chapter eight, where Jesus is on his way to heal a 12 year old girl who's at death's door. And a woman who's been bleeding touches his cloak and Jesus stops and he sees her. Is he distracted in that moment? No, he's right there in the moment and he spends time with this woman and he listens to her story and he gives her dignity. He's so kind with the person in front of him. In our fast paced, busy world, simply listening to someone can be a wonderful way to love them. You know, that's why blessed, which we've been looking at over the past few years. Do you remember blessed? Begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve and share our story. Bless is such a great foundation for this Naturally Supernatural series. And the L in blessed is simply to listen to people. And I'm not suggesting we can slow down for every single person. Just that when we are, when we are with people, we can ask, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What does love look like in this situation? And that might be something that feels very spiritual, like praying for healing or sharing what you feel God is saying to someone. And let's go for those things. But it might just mean taking the time to listen as someone shares their story. The question is, what is the Spirit encouraging you to do? 
I had a good friend growing up who didn't really seem interested in God, one of my best friends in school. And as I got to know Jesus more, I used to pray for this friend. And over the years, whenever the opportunity came up, some, sometimes after a few beers on a night out, we'd chat about faith and about church. And there were times when I felt led by the Spirit to take more of a step, to give him a Christian book or just ask a question or two. About this time last year, this friend texted me out of the blue to say that he'd been on an Alpha course and he'd given his life to Jesus and that he wanted to thank me for my nudges over the years. Now, I don't claim any significant role in my friend's journey of faith. These were just small steps that I took. And the truth is, I have lots of other stories where I've tried to step out and haven't seen any fruit at all. The point is, our role is simply to be obedient to God and to love the person in front of us. And often we don't even know the significance of these small steps of faith. We just say yes and see what the Father will do. As I was praying into this series last week, I believe God gave me a picture. And it was a picture of a dark room with walls on all sides. And it was pitch black in this room. But all of a sudden, a tiny crack started to form in one of the walls as though it had been hit from the outside. And then another tiny crack and another. And through each of these small cracks, light began to pierce through and shine into the room. And I felt the Lord saying every tiny act of courage and love and kindness carried out by one of God's people in the name of Jesus is another crack in the darkness. And the light and the holiness and the goodness of the Son of God is going to break in. And you know, here's the wonderful thing about this is that we all get to be involved. We all get to be a part of it. We're simply called to say yes to the spirit and to take a step, however big or small it seems, to love the person in front of us. And, you know, as we do, every time we do this, it's another crack in the darkness. Because church, you know, we have a moment here. We have an opportunity in this moment because who really knows what impact this past year has had on people? Lockdowns and job losses and fears and isolation. And, you know, we believe God is speaking to us as a church about gates being opened and about broken people coming in. A member of our prophetic team had this word recently for the church. They said this, I feel the Lord saying that ahead is a new season of increased compassion for us to embrace. And I feel this compassion is to be extended to the crowds, the people of our town generally, not just those groups we already have a ministry to. That's the word to the church. Crowds of broken people. I wonder how will we respond? How will we respond as a church and as individuals? We have a chance here, an opportunity to demonstrate to people of our town the wonderful love of the Father. So two questions to ask. What do you want me to see? And what do you want me to do? And finally, there's one thing we must all do each day. And I'm going to come to that in just a moment. But first, let's get really practical here. Each week we're setting a challenge to the church and here's the challenge for you this week is to slow down, slow down. For some of us that's a challenge enough of itself but to slow down and to ask God to put someone on your mind who doesn't know Jesus and then listen to God for this person. Is there something God wants you to say to them? When you believe God has given you a word, be brave, step out and share it. Let's go for that challenge together this week. 
So finally, what is the one thing we must all do each day if we're going to live this kind of naturally supernatural lifestyle? Well, it's simply this. Receive Jesus' love for you. Receive it afresh every single day. Do you know, if we had just a glimpse each day, just a glimpse of the way the Father sees us, how much would that change the way we love others? If we only knew, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, that we're deeply loved by the Father, how much would that change the way we love others? Do you know that word compassion, that ache to the gut, it comes up again in the story of the prodigal son. And we know this story. This young man walks away from his family. He humiliates and shames his father, makes a total mess of his life. And then he turns for home. And the story goes, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Do you know, this is our story. It was compassion that motivated God the Father to run after you. It was out of love that the eternal God took on flesh. It was love that led Jesus to live the perfect life that you and I failed to live. And as Jesus suffered and died on a cross, he could have stopped the suffering at any moment, but it was love that held him to that cross. While you were still a long way off, harassed and helpless and shepherdless, the good shepherd laid down his life for you. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son. And you know, the heart of God towards you now is the same heart that Jesus had for those crowds. His deepest impulse is to move towards you and not away from you. If you look under the skin of God, get into the heart of God, and it's still the same beating heart of love for you. And now as a follower of Jesus, you stand completely forgiven and spotless and nothing can touch that. Your identity is secure, not because of anything you've accomplished, but because of what Jesus has accomplished for you. And, you know, the love we have for others flows out of revelation and experience of the love that God the Father has for us. Do you know, you might pray for someone tomorrow and see them healed and set free. Or an opportunity might come up straight after this meeting and you might blow it completely. Do you know what? None of that changes the way the Father feels about you. You're not doing this to be more loved by God. You're free to live like this because you're loved by God. You're not doing this to earn points. You get to live like this because God has credited to you the righteousness of Jesus. He looks at you and he calls you son. He calls you daughter. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Have you received that love recently? Have you received it today? And you know, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, then that same unconditional love is available to you. We're going to worship in just a minute. But why don't we take just a moment here? It might be that as I've been speaking about the love of God towards you, actually, you've never known that kind of love for yourself. I want you to hear this morning, God demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you were still a sinner, while you were still a long way off, Christ died for you. 
If you'd like to know that kind of love, it comes through accepting Jesus' sacrifice for you. If you want to do that this morning, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Father, thank you that you love me. Father, thank you that you love me. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Today, I accept your sacrifice for me. I give you my life. Please come and fill me with your spirit. Help me to know your love. Or maybe you are a follower of Jesus this morning, but you just want to know again, really know deep in your heart that you're a deeply loved son or daughter. Well, just ask him to show you. Ask him to reveal that truth to you now. Ask him to show you how he sees you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Come and reveal to us again the truth of how you see us, that you love us. I want to pray against any condemnation. I want to pray for anyone who feels distant from you right now. Holy Spirit, come and speak. I thank you. You're a wonderful Father. Help us to know and experience your love for us again, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to soak in God's love as we worship Jesus together.